Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, we'll be talking with Alex, the host of That CNFT Show, a YouTube channel that you should really check out if you want a channel focused on Cardano NFTs or the CNFT space. In today's convo, we talk about all things NFT. We cover where we think the space is headed, aspects that we like and don't like about the space, and much more. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Alex. It's nice to have you on the show, and thank you for taking the time to talk with me today about NFTs and the CNFT space. Hi, Conrad. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm pretty good. Can't complain. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for having me on. I know you're busy. Oh, no, it's, it's all good. So, of course, there's a couple of questions I always ask. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what drew you to crypto in general? So, uh, I first became, um, I wouldn't say directly involved, but I first started hearing about Bitcoin in, I'm going to say, 2009, 2010. I had a friend uh, on Facebook who was a, he was a math genius, and he, he, got, he found Bitcoin when it was like 50 cents and started talking about it on Facebook because he was interested in cryptography and he was interested in what he believed that the blockchain would mean in the future. Um, it took me a couple of years to cotton on to what was going on to the point that I actually purchased some. And I've told you this story before. I've told it lots of times before, but I bought Bitcoin at like $250 and probably sold it at like 400 thinking, you know, I had made, yeah. <laughs> made a killing. And I was like, I am a great investor. I'm amazing at this. And then um, as uh, both Bitcoin and then some other alts started becoming more prominent. Um, like I've owned some Ethereum, I've owned some Bitcoin. Um, I'd say in 2020, um, during the pandemic, like everyone else, lots, lots more time on social media, lots more time from my computer. I started thinking about, oh, maybe I'll, you know, crypto seems to be interesting again. It's a lot more diverse than it used to be. Um, and then that, so I started making some small purchases and getting some things. Uh, some small bags of altcoins and some Bitcoin and Ethereum, et cetera. So then in 2021, in August, I started hearing about NFTs. And like a lot of people I've asked to about finding NFTs, I started thinking about them on Ethereum. And, uh, you know, I, thinking about minting a piece and uh, or buying a piece for $100 and paying 40, 50, 70, 80 dollars worth of gas. Ethereum turned me off and I started hearing more and more about NFTs on Cardano. And actually before I bought anyone else's NFT or before I minted one from another project, I actually minted some of my own using CNFT Maker mm -hmm. um, because there was this kind of this mindset. And again, I, I was very naive at the time too, but there was a kind of... Um, uh, th this kind of buzz going around that you just you just mint anything and you'd sell it for more, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I I I I got a piece of voxel art made. I got the, I bought the commercial rights to it. Uh, I minted a bunch of it as an NFT. I should send you one. Actually, it's quite it's uh, it's cute. It's nice. No one's ever gonna. I'm never gonna make any money off them. But I don't. But now I don't care. It was a learning experience and what and what happened. And then. Um, uh, in late August, I started 
um, minting things like uh, Tribbles. I had a Politicos. I had a Planet Pals. I had a Dexo Worlds. Like all those uh, projects that were coming up pre-smart contracts uh, in August, I had a bunch, I had a bunch of those and that was, and then, uh, that was how I started getting into the community and sort of led to what we're doing now. Oh yeah. And I know that I kind of went the same route when it came to learning about NFTs is I, I actually, I went on Fiverr. I got somebody to build voxel art. <laughs> like I strangely went same route. That's why I have, there are three different, the Cardano convo NFTs out there. One was in a giveaway. One I think I gave to a viewer and the other one is still in the wallet. So I haven't gotten rid of it yet. But no, I gave it to Cardania to give away in a marble race for his community. I remember that. So I and it was I used NFT maker to to make these. So back when I had like talked with Patrick Tobler, I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I tested it, made this NFT and I'm like, that's nifty. Like, obviously, as you said. Not going to sell it for anything. Like it's not going to be really like that wasn't the point of it. It's to learn how this all worked. So it's just that was kind of the start of the rabbit hole per se. So no, I mm-hmm. I get what you mean exactly. It's unironically very similar to the path I took too. Right, and then um, what what led me to get even more deeply involved was I I wanted to become a content creator. I've thought for literally years about what niche, what community I could join. Uh, that I could actually build something like that on. I actually started a, a TikTok account this summer. It was more Cardano generally at first, um, but TikTok just wasn't the right format to me. I don't, uh, I don't talk fast enough, and I'd like to explain. I'm too long winded to get something into a three yeah. minute, let alone a one minute video. Um, so when I started doing a YouTube show. And I could talk about five or six minutes on a project and stitch a couple of those together. Uh, I kind of found um, the right platform for me that that was more of a natural fit. And even from then, it's it's really evolved a lot more into um, creator interviews now. I think I'm going to be doing more than half my shows are going to be creator interviews than just me sitting on my couch and kind of editorializing. Um, and and that's kind of where that's how I got to where we are today. And then, and then you and I met through some mutual friends and, uh, you know, we're doing a space every week and, and, uh, now I've made lots of friends, lots of project creators, uh, joined lots of discords that I talk to people all the time. And, uh, whenever I'm not working my day job, I'm in the, in the community kind of full time now. Oh, exactly. And I know that with, we did meet through, for example, as you said, a lot of interesting people kind of brought us together in our own because I too wanted to go into content creation started when Gogan came about for Cardano. So smart contracts, a lot more projects started kind of cropping up like to the point where you can't keep track of half of them. Some of them aren't around anymore. Some of them are still around. There are going to be some that pop up in the next couple of weeks, the next months. And we wanted to talk about, for example, a bunch of the projects. So where you started with main content and then went towards interviewing we started with interviewing and we slowly have been going towards other content because it for me it was really hard to do what you were doing because i'm like oh i can talk with somebody that that i can do but then as soon as it went like spotlights on me i have to do it i originally was like i'm not going to show my face i i need to be able to edit because i'm going to make a lot of mistakes and i did but then it's just interesting how 
everyone sees an opportunity. They're wanting to kind of get in. They want to produce content. They want to be able to talk about the things that they really like. I'm glad that you found that in the CNFT space. And I'm glad, for example, as you were saying, we do do a Twitter space. It's every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We do a Twitter space, which, of course, down below we'll have links to that CNFT show or Alex's Twitter. We'll have a link to my Twitter as well. You go there at about that time, you will find that we're in a Twitter space. So you can just jump in where we talk, just as we're talking about now, NFTs, CNFTs, and it's often somebody's presenting those. So it's just really interesting how we've made our niche in this. Right. And for me, um, I'm, I'm not technical. I've never written a line of computer code. Um, I'm vaguely artistic in that I have little kids and I mess around with paint and construction paper and stuff like that. Um, but not in the way that a lot of these creators are. So if my contribution is, you know, I I'm on Twitter all day, I'm checking out projects all, all day. And if I find cool stuff and tell other people about it, or like in our Twitter spaces or in, in the interviews that I do or interviews that you do, if I give someone, a creator, a platform to explain what they're doing and what they're building, and that's the contribution that I make to the community, and that's what I make to CNFTs, um, I'm pretty happy with doing that. And it's, I, like I said, I found, I found a platform and a style that fits my personality, fits the way that I want to do it. Oh, yeah. And it's really interesting to see that. And since we're on the topic of personality and style with regards to NFTs, um, in a recent video about red flags with NFTs, we talk about the how we categorize, or at least how I categorize NFT buyers as one of three categories, either investors, utility buyers, or for the art. Which one would you describe yourself mostly as? So uh, again, it's been an evolution in, in terms of my understanding of the space. Um, my first... I don't know, dozen or 20 NFTs that I bought, I, I wanted to immediately flip, even if it was for, you know, 10, 20, 38 a profit. Um, so I was looking at it as an investment strategy. Now, I'm not savvy enough, particularly at that time, I was not savvy enough to have picked, you know, I probably could have gotten a, a, a claymate for 100 or a, <laughs> or a yeah. pixel for 100 or or a space bud for 500 four or five months ago. Um, so even though I had some a little bit of success as an investor in that, I've really moved away from trying to buy things and then you know immediately get get rid of them. Um, so now I'm much more exclusive in terms of uh, it has to be art that I like or utility that really really. Uh, that I really, really find interesting and is doing something different than I've heard before. Because if it's a, if it's a profile pick project, again, nothing against good profile pick projects, but that's one of the, that's one of the ways in which the space is proliferated where there's so many low quality um, generative art, you know, thousand PFP projects. Yeah. If they say, if they say game, if they say metaverse, if they say, royalties which is kind of verboten now um i if they just say those things and the art doesn't blow me away then it, that doesn't impress me at all either because everyone wants to promise those things right now and very few projects are actually delivering that so as i've become um i guess if you wanted to to have those three baskets 
I still buy a lot, like a lot of the CNFTs in my wallet are things that I bought because I like the way they look. And I'm very happy with what I paid and the amount of enjoyment I get by holding them, whether or not I ever sell them. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of pieces that I have purchased just purely for the, the eventual utility. Um, something like uh like i have a charlie three like the oracle charlie um i have the charlie uh, charlie three nft yeah um that's going to you know i'm not going to sell that for any money for like a year or five years because it's going to continually appreciate in value that's probably my 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 best holding right now um and then as for um as for like our like I like again. I guess it's. I guess it's become. I've evolved into it being more of a balance, but more about art and some utility, rather less so than an investment. Because there's, I don't have a lot of things that I'm that I would even be willing to part with. Okay. Oh no. I I can understand that. It's not often that somebody is all one or all the other. Like some people, there are people, of course, that will be like some that. I don't want to hold up at the end of it all. I don't want to hold any NFTs or just investment vehicles as opposed to, for example, there are some like myself, that's a mixture of some, like I don't do a whole lot of investing per se, but I'm more of a utility buyer. Like if there's, if I have faith that there will be a game involved and I'm interested in that game, I might buy that NFT. Or for example, I did an interview with Jack Cochin from Vi Finance and I learned about, for example, these NFTs and they would have some utility on the space. So I'm like, I'll get in on one. And back when it was like 350 ADA and now technically you could go, well, that was a good investment because like the floor is 2000, but I don't intend on selling it because I'm enjoying the functionality on the VIPI platform. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's more so like I'm more utilitarian with it. It's like, yeah, they look nice, but for me, I'm like, they can do something. So I know, again, it can vary between like, and in the end, my, if it loses functionality and what it might I be disappointed, maybe, I mean, it still is cool, but I know that that might be one reason why you're like, Oh, if the art's great that way, like worst case scenario comes to worse, you're not, you're happy to have it. Is that part right. of it or. Yeah, exactly. Like I have a few, um, again, usually very limited mint projects that, I don't think uh, there's even a market to sell. Like if I wanted to sell them, like no one even knows about them because it's projects with just, just as a rough number, uh, only a few hundred Twitter followers or, or not very many people in their discord or not, or they haven't been around a long time. But if it's something that I like and I can get it for 40 or 50 or 60 ADA, um, I don't really care if I ever sell it for anything. Cause I, I like them. Um, the other thing, and it's a different kind of utility, but part of what I see owning projects as uh, as a utility factor is that I feel it's kind of an entry into joining that community. Um, if there, I, I don't, for example, in Discord, I don't participate in a lot of Discords where I don't hold one of the pieces. It's not that I have ever been made to feel like excluded, but I think that's kind of like being in the club. And I don't want to be a hangers-on unless I've, you know, joined that club. So that's another aspect of utility with some of these PFPs. If it's a really cool community that I enjoy, um, that's one of the, one of the reasons why I want to own one of those pieces. 
Oh, yeah. No, I I understand because a lot of selling points for a lot of, as you were saying, like those profile picture arts or for the 10,000 unique prints is being able to access the community in that way. I know that's a selling point for a lot of them and outside, of course, the art. But what are some projects, for example, I know you described some that you really like or you hope that the the community, whether it be the Ethereum NFTs or the CNFT or Cardano NFT community, what projects or where do you hope that they'll move towards? Because I know for me, I want them to move away from the 10,000 unique mints that you can get put together on Fiverr because it's very rather low effort. Right. And for me, um, there are a few uh, PFP projects that are coming out soon that I really enjoy. And the, the thing that they all have in common is unique, high-quality art. Um, just to throw a few out there, ones that I've talked about on my show or talked about a lot on Twitter, uh, Nifty World, um, Disco Solaris, and Pendulum NFT. And they're profile pick projects with uh, thousands of pieces that are eventually going to be released, but they are so high quality and they're unique. I'm not interested in cartoon animals. I- I'm just not. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty much over that. Um, as, as, <laughs> as ungrateful as it may sound, I don't want an NFT of Charles Hoskinson in some, some sort of cartoon form. Yeah. Um, I, I understand that a lot of projects want to pay homage or, you know, shout out the, the creator and the reason why we're still here. But I, I just find that as it's, it's not unique anymore. Um, and particularly in the time that we've been kind of getting involved together and the timeline that we're talking about, say like August of 2021 till now, there was a particular time in September and October where you could just launch, like you said, get a, get some cartoon, get some cartoon, I don't know, zebras or whatever. Uh, and you'd sell them out. You'd start your Twitter, start your discord, sell out on your mint day to weeks later, which begat all these copycat projects. Um, and I'm just not interested in those anymore unless they bring something really, really unique and really, really high quality to the table. And then if it's something like that and they, they manage to build utility afterward, then I'll be happy with that. But it's not the reason why I'm buying it in the first place. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because... As we were talking beforehand, it's just sometimes you just see how little effort and you're just like, man, I really hope we move out of this. Similar to like when the Internet was young and you'd see a website and you're like, this is hot garbage. Like if you were to run into one of those websites, like yesterday I ran to one that probably hasn't been updated since the 90s. And you just look at that and you're like, oh, no, like there's so many like unwritten rules that this one doesn't follow that you're like this isn't okay in 2020. Like if somebody, if I paid somebody, for example, for a website and they gave me this, that's not acceptable. And I think CNFTs are kind of, or NFTs in general are moving to that where you go, this is what you're proposing and you want, what is it? 50 ADA, which at one point that's 150 right now, it's about $50. You want $50 for what clearly like looks like it costs a dime, like, or like one tenth of a dollar. Like why, why would I do that? Like, so I'm glad that 
kind of the space is evolving in that way too, where like more so from the MySpace to the Facebook, where it's like, oh, what all can I force upon as opposed to this is a clean cut, well done project. Right. And I think a lot of a lot of projects conceived in that time frame when everything was just going up, 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 and the marketplace was so uh, for lack of a better word, naive that you could put out a low, low quality or low effort project. And now a lot of those that if they do manage to make it to mint, uh, aren't successful and go away pretty quick. Um, I think that, uh, as CNFTs in particular continue to grow, um, we're going to get more people coming over from Ethereum um, more people coming over from Solana. And as the quality of art on Cardano uh, improves, because I think there are some things there are some things that I've seen on Cardano that are as good as any of the other blockchains. Yeah. But if you look at Ethereum, for example, the highest quality of say the top, I don't know, hundreds of projects is way better than all but like the top two or three percent of what's on Cardano. And that's just, that's just a, a that's where the money is. That's where the, the, the highest artists, highest number of artists and highest quality work is right now. But we're going to, we're going to catch up with that. But um, what I think uh, something that's been really encouraging to me is that low effort projects and another one that I that I've noticed lately is if you try to copy a project from another chain, uh, you get found out really fast. Oh yeah. Now it's not it's not days, it's not like weeks, it's not like the night before the mint. It's like two days, and they don't get away with it. And maybe they sell a few for someone who doesn't do their own research or doesn't care about spending a little bit of ADA. Um, but uh, that sort of thing is being caught on to by the community a lot faster now. Oh, exactly. And something that's interesting is you said how on Cardano, some people are pushing really like cheap CNFT projects. And for example, on Ethereum, there might be higher quality. Might that have something to do with the fact that to mint a 10,000 collection on Ethereum, you're having to put so much more money into it that you have to be really sure that the quality you put out is going to get your money back? Because I don't know the exact amount of how much it costs to mint an NFT, but seeing how everyone's trying to sell NFTs for like 0.1 Ethereum, which mm-hmm. is like 300 ish dollars. That's a lot of money to, to pay for an NFT compared to like ADA. That would be like asking for 300 ADA right now. That's a lot to ask. And yeah, which very, very them, few, which very, very few projects would uh, come close to anything like that. And if you're doing 10,000 and you're charging more than a, you know, a hundred us dollars, uh, that's, that's, but, but again, we were seeing that as well in October, November, we would see, you would see garbage looking projects come out and their mint price. The day of the mint was 70 ADA on days when ADA was two fifty. Oh, and, yes. and we've moved on. We've moved on from that. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a lot better eye. Everyone's a lot more careful with their money. Everyone's a lot more interested in following the, the really, the really good stuff, not just buying everything. Oh yeah. And something that I have no problem with, for example, an NFT project having a 70 ADA price tag. And that's not because I got in early on ADA, but rather it depends what you're selling. Like, because if somebody goes, I, I bought a car, like, 
and I paid a thousand dollars. Somebody doesn't go, that's a poor deal. The question is, what did what kind of car did you get? Because mm-hmm. if you get like a 1970s Cadillac, dude, that's a great deal. But if you got some like le- like lemon of a gremlin for that, you're like rusted over. You're like, well, you got like you didn't do a good deal there. So it, it kind of depends. But I do see what you mean. Like if somebody's saying this is 10 ADA for it, I'm like, OK, it's probably a low quality. Like and they know that. So that's why they're selling it that way. But I do see what you're saying in that the NFTs have been getting better because the ecosystem has been evolving. People have started seeing like this one didn't do well. They may have been able to get this over on some people to start with, but now it's just not, it's not going to happen. Too many people know about some of the people that are doing certain activities that may or may not be as savory as others. And they go, I don't want any part of that. Right. And I think, I think too, that um, when there was a get, and again, I had this mentality, I'm going to buy it on mint day and sell it two days later and make money. Right. There, there was a, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of external pressure kind of in everyone's minds that you had to make money as quickly as possible. And as fast as you could put stuff out, you were just going to get that money right back. Whereas a lot of the more successful projects, um, take weeks or months to build the community and then continue to uh, parcel out the drops rather than just, you know, if we're doing 10,000, uh, what I'm seeing more and more is if we're doing 10,000, we're going to do uh, five drops of 2000 and continue to build and work on that community. And um, so I think projects that, that kind of follow that model are going to be a lot more successful going forward because um there's a difference between being early to a project. Like I, like I told you before, I like finding projects when they have less than a thousand followers on Twitter. Um, I like sharing cool things uh, with people who might not have had eyes on projects like that. But if those cool projects say, Oh, we're minting 5,000 of these tomorrow. I'm like, uh, that's you. No one's going to buy that because it's not going to sell out. No one's going to want. And, and that flipper mentality it's still necessary. It's a necessary part of the game. If you're a co- if you're a project leader or a content creator, uh, you have to realize that as much as I like this project, if no one else knows about it and no one else likes it, uh, I'm buying it for myself. And like I said, it'd be it better be pretty good in that case. Oh yeah, and so that's an interesting point because, for example, with Blooftopia, something I've noticed within the CNFT space is I keep seeing people do the same things over and over and no one's willing to explore. No one's willing to try something different because I know it's really easy to pay an artist or as an artist, create something and release it. And for example, the 10,000 one, as we've said repeatedly, is just so overdone. It's so just tiresome at this point because it's been, it's been run through the ringer like 18 times, like, or 18,000 at this point. It's just tiresome. So I really want to see, and I think that's why, for example, Unsigs did relatively well because they tried something new. I think that's why um, Stellar Hood, being a completely on-chain project and bringing that type of functionality, it did so well is because it's unique. And for example, with Flooftopia, we're going to try and bring something unique. And I think that's going to start being a standard at some point is people are going to go, okay, yeah, you, you've got 10,000 unique avatars. That's, that's nifty. But like, what else? What have you, like, what are you bringing to the table? Because with Stellar Hood, completely on-chain interactive planets. 
like you can have information on these ecosystems of these galaxies or of these solar systems, I guess, for lack of a better word, and have that information, these star systems, and all on chain. Like that's strongly unique. That's amazing. And then you've got, I mean, unsigs, which kind of is, it's similar, I guess, to the 10,000, but it was quite early on and mm-hmm. was unique in different aspects. And then Flooftopia were, of course, aiming to bring customizable NFT. So it's going to be interesting to see how these things go. And I think, again, I think people are going to have to start trying to bring something new to the table if they're wanting to enter the NFT space with relative success. Right. Uh, or if if you are going to make a generative collection of profile picture art uh, that may or may not have any new utility attached to it, it better be amazing, amazing art. Oh, yeah. It's got to stand out in some way, whether it be utility functionality, just as I kind of categorized, or if it's going to be something that people will say there's value in that. Because the funny thing about NFTs is seeing the even like as some people might call them non-coiners or people who aren't in the crypto space, they're like, this JPEG doesn't have very much value. And then I, I'm looking at the real world and I'm like, that painting doesn't either. But people put tons of money into it. And I know there's some like financial reasons why some people do. But for example, it may not be that valuable to you, but it's valuable to them in this way. In the same way, like I might not see a 1970s Cadillac as worth a couple hundred thousand. Or I might look at a Lambo and be like, yeah, it's really nice. Don't get me wrong. But like, I'm not, if I had a million dollars, I'm not buying one because it's not worth that to me. Well, and well, and, and you're right. And it is um, <laughs> like, I, I, I have a, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, a normie girlfriend who goes, hey, you know, how much, how much money you buying on these <laughs> NFTs, yeah. right? and i'm sure lots of people and i'm sure lots of people in our community have this have this uh experience where they're where they're explaining the why to a lot of the the outside community um but you're right uh all art is subjective and finding parallels between uh nfts and uh, like real world art, like uh, again, um, again, talking to my girlfriend about art, art we have hanging up on the walls. I said, well, why, why did you spend, you know, $350 on this at an auction? Are you ever going to resell it? Are you ever going to, you know, is it ever going to, is, is more art by the artist ever going to get mailed to our house that you can hang up on your walls? Right. Like, are you going to get, are you going to get some portion of that money back as a percentage every year carrying? No, you're not doing any of that. Uh, but you like it and you wanted to hang it in our kitchen, right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's all sorts of ways in which, um, I just, again, be particularly being in this community and looking at these things all the time, I just see NFTs everywhere when I'm walking, walking out in the world or watching TV or playing video games or whatever. Yeah. Like I, like I've gotten my son into NFTs. I bought him his first one this Christmas and, uh, we talk all the time about we play Fortnite together and I'm like, Oh man, that art is amazing. Art from AAA game studios is amazing. And when they decide to do NFTs, they're going to be really good at it because they already have that side of it locked down. They just got to figure out how to distribute the ownership, uh, which they're not going to want to do the way that we would have expectations of it. But, but yeah, there you go. Right. 
Oh, that that actually that actually brings me back to a point that I I should have made when I was talking about NFTs. Um, I should I shouldn't say my first NFT was purchased on Cardano. It was actually an NBA Top Shot, which I don't which which now a year later um, I don't even I kind of call those like fake NFTs because they're yeah. they're they're platform based. And if I want to sell it and they tell me that they don't want to give me my money, then I'm I'm screwed, right? Not my keys, not my NFT. <laughs> exactly. um, and it's fun, but it's funny though. I, I, you know, I did maybe two or three of the cheaper drops last year, so I spent maybe fifty or seventy-five American dollars. And uh, after a year of not thinking about NBA Top Shot, I got an email like last week saying one of mine had sold on the marketplace. But I don't even know how to go get my money off of there, right? Like it's not in my wallet. Like there's no escrow. It's not gone. It's on. It's on Dapper Labs platform. And uh, again, if they ever, if they don't want to let me go in there and get it and have it sent to my bank account or whatever, then I don't, I don't have the power in that relationship. So that's going to be things like that are going to be a lot of people's um, entry into NFTs. It's going to be platform based NFTs, uh, whether it's through on Facebook or whether it's uh, at a big retailer or whether it's at a sporting event or whether it's by Red Bull or whatever. Um, a lot of people's first uh, exposure to be NFTs are going to be ones that they don't own themselves, but they're going to pay money to say that they own it, right? Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. And I know that, for example, Disney is moving towards that. As you said, the NBA, a lot of places where they have any form of collectible is kind of like, we'll make our own version of NFTs per se, because if why save the manufacturing costs when I can pay somebody like, I have to pay somebody to 3D model this. Then we have to pay a manufacturer to make these like dolls or these bobbleheads or these things. Why do that when I can just only do step one, pay somebody to build and upkeep a platform instead of pay to build an upkeep a store and everyone goes to this one store that's the platform. Why wouldn't they? I mean, for example, as you said, let's say I sell a digital jersey. I don't have to follow any of the how it's being built and sold like clothing laws. I don't have to deal with any of that. It's just purely digital. And the thing I worry is they might not move to actual NFTs, which is why I call them kind of fake NFTs, because Mm -hmm. then you have to give that right away, which means, for example, if you sell it, you, you lose complete access to it. If I, it's the same way why steam is not wanting to allow NFT games. They have a steam store they get a percentage of any sale that goes on there. They can do whatever they want. Like if you have a Steam account and they ban you, you lose access to everything. All of your knives, for example, if you have skins for knives on CSGO, you lose all of that. And they have that pure power. And a lot of organizations kind of don't want to give that up, which is what NFTs do. Right. And there's going to be, um, I've heard a lot about this on uh, Twitter, because Jack Dorsey said this, that that Web3 is in danger of being taken over by the same corporate and special interest that Web2 was. And if we're not careful, it's going to go in the same direction. Um, mentioning that about video games is really interesting because of, you know, most of the even video game, computer game community is not in NFTs. And AAA game studios announcing that they're going to start integrating NFTs into their games uh, really does piss a lot of people off. But as someone on the inside, I look at it and say, you know what, if, if I bought this Fortnite skin and there were only a hundred in the world and, and if it became really, really desirable 
and worth a lot more. And I could sell it back directly to another user without having to go through the platform. And again, Fortnite's a bad example because that's going to be another platform-based NFT. Um, I'm never going to own a real piece of Fortnite. Uh, but um, it's going to be interesting, that push and pull between uh, <laughs> the people the people in charge, the capitalists at the top who know that this is the way that the world is going and the resistance from the general community to keep saying, oh, this is just a way to tack on extra money to playing uh, you know, Call of Duty or whatever. I'm not interested yeah. in participating in that way. Oh yeah. And, but the problem is it gives, if it's an actual NFT, it's why in a lot of conversations I've had with people, when it comes to NFTs, they say, is this really a problem in gaming? And the answer is yes. Like I'm not saying take away the power from the, let's say the people who run call of duty. If for example, somebody's being extraordinarily toxic, they're cheating, they're doing things like this. Sure, you can ban them, but the nice thing is, or if we look at CSGO, let's say the same thing's happening and Steam decides or Valve decides we're going to ban them because obviously they're breaking our terms of service. If you've put $1,000 into skins for guns and you can't use them anymore, would it not be nice to be able to go and put them, like go sell them off and at least reclaim possibly some of the money you put in because you bought that, which had implicit ownership of that. And I'm sure someone will say, but there's terms of service that say that technically it's all property of um, Steam or Valve, but still it it doesn't make it sting any less when they take it all away from you with no recourse. Like you can't do anything about it. It's just feels horrible. Right. And there's and and I think there's gonna be a continual push pull between web two and web three as we get towards um like the terms of service question is is going to be a really big one as well, right? Like, because if I start an entirely decentralized and and, uh, and like distributed governance uh, battle royale game with guns and skins and back bling and and items and weapons, it'd be great to allow the players to own all of those. Um, but what do you do when, like you said, you have toxic behavior in a game or someone breaks? What would be uh, a centralized platform's terms of service and you have no way of of uh of dealing with that and and i mean that must be that must be a concern with you building a, a, a children and family game right like yeah. what do you do if someone starts spouting uh racial epithets and they won't be uh, able saying to. terrible things right right We're so you're actually taking take... away the ability to speak so that you don't run right. into that issue yeah yeah but but what i'm saying is is even that it, that's a central that's a centralized decision that you made as the platform hosting the game right. to be a set to be a completely decentralized and distributed governance ecosystem there are going to be people who act like that uh it's almost like um you could it, it almost has to be like good natured it almost has to be like good natured anarchy right like the community is going to have to decide to exclude those people but it isn't going to come from one platform or one central decision maker. Oh yeah. And the thing is like, you could have versions that kind of fork. For example, if you're like, we don't like the way they're running this. And for example, let's say the people who are, because there's always going to be people who are doing a lot of the voting, those who are most invested, for example, that get to have a certain level of control. You go, we're going to just take the same and kind of fork it over here. And we're going to run it the way we want to. 
In the same way, like you could say Minecraft has a ton of different servers. There are some that, for example, allow cheats. There are some that don't care if you use racial epithets or things of that nature. But then there are some where it's like there's a lot of governance that goes into it and what seems to be a centralized entity, but it doesn't stop you from just going, I'll just fork it to another way to where I run it. So Mm -hmm. there's going to have to be a balance. The problem is humans don't operate well as like bees where everything's absolutely decentralized. We, we run with hierarchies. And for example, if a hierarchy in this, the nice thing about decentralization though, is if you don't like this hierarchy, it's not like a centralized entity where it's like, well, too bad. You have no other option. It's, or if you try to make a server, well, we'll just send you a cease and desist. This goes, oh, well you can, but we are focusing on this. And it's like, okay, well then you can do the same, but just kind of fork it off to the side. That might be a mm-hmm. possibility, but I, I do see what you mean though. You could run into well, those issues. Well, and, and, and it begs, a, it begs the question too. Like if someone, um, if someone makes a clone of Flooftopia and makes all of your NFTs that you have sold interoperable with, uh, with, uh, Forktopia and they do a 51% attack on all your users and then theirs becomes the main fork, right? Like it's not, I'm not saying that's likely. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know what I mean though, that you're, we're going to see those same uh, evolutionary steps in the NFT ecosystem that we have in uh, cryptography and cryptocurrency. I think, I think there's a lot of parallels between the development of what's gone on the past, you know, 12, 15 years in cryptocurrency has all occurred in the last 12 months and is going to be accelerated even more in the next year. Yeah. And I think the to get to the problem you were talking about, something that's probably going to happen is everyone's like, we need to be decentralized. And I see a lot of benefits, of course, to decentralization, but there's obviously the balances you have to make because if decentralization was easy, it may have become like come before centralization because centralization is just an easier method with the technologies we had. But what's probably going to happen in the near future, which, of course, I'll, I want to get your ideas is where you'll see NFTs, let's say, in five or 10 years. I really want to hear that. But the <laughs> idea is we might, we're going from centralization to decentralization. And there's going to be these phasings at, that, at some point. You're going to have, oh, well, this is still centralized. This is getting more decentralized. And we're going to slowly become, like, go from, you don't just have black and white and there's a, like, light and dark and you just flip a switch and it goes from one to the other you're going to probably have a slow gradient change and it's going to be very slight like boiling a frog in water like it's going to happen until it actually happens until it's become decentralized right and it's hard to say like i don't feel and i've posed this question on twitter before i said how far out in the future do you feel you have a handle on what is going to happen in in cnfts is it a, a week a month six months a year or whatever and most people have no idea what's going to happen past six months yeah. i think if we're talking about five to ten years from now um i think the general population is going to know about nfts in the way that everyone uses email now uh, or a fax machine or online banking uh, in a way that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like I, I had um, a few years ago, I was employed with uh, older gentlemen. And uh, this was like, 
2015 and he was like, oh, I don't pay my bills online. I go down to the building and write a paper check. And I, did, I didn't have the parlance at the time, but now I would say uh, NGMI, right? Like, why, why are you still doing things that way? And we've all seen articles about, there's an article about declining internet usage in Great Britain from like 1997. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just absolutely hilarious. So I think we're moving in that direction uh, in that everyone will know what an NFT is. Most people will have at least a quote-unquote fake NFT that they bought and they own it. For example, they'll own their Facebook Twitter profile or, uh, or their Twitter profile picture just got added like yesterday that you could link your MetaMask to it, right? Um, so I think that's going to be where they are. I think the use case for an NFT as... Uh, a, a paper of ownership for a, a, a ping file of a, of a cartoon rabbit or whatever, uh, I think that's going to become a, a more and more small and niche part of everyone's broader experience and broader exposure to NFTs. There are always going to be ways that it empowers artists to sell directly to their consumers. Um, but everyone who has an NFT, it's going to be like your shopping account at Amazon, your shopping account at Walmart. Um, you might, you might have a little bit of art in a collection or whatever, but in, in similar to the ways in which, uh, you know, not many people collect paintings. Um, I think, I, but everyone uses money for all sorts of other things. Um, I don't think the vast majority of NFT holders are going to be holding uh, PFP projects in a wallet that they just look at or put on a hat or put on their Apple Watch or whatever. Most people are going to have NFTs as collectibles or uh, utility NFTs that allow them to do things in their everyday life. Oh, agreed. If if I had to say on the same question, where will we where will we be in like five to ten years? I I think we're still going to have some centralized entity still around. There's going to be the central entities that determine what a deed is. You're going to, of course, have lawyers. You're going to have a lot of these professions that aren't going anywhere because we still have governance. There's still somebody who has to enact and follow, like make sure the laws are followed. But for example, a lot of it's going to be more streamlined. Let's say you want to go buy a, let's say, buy a house. So you still have a mortgage. You might not have to, if the bank owns it, then you might have to go through the bank or whoever makes the deed for that property. Then once you do, to streamline it, if that deed moves, they might have a version of royalties so that they get their piece no matter what's being done. So instead of having to do it every time and you have to go, for example, to a DMV or you have to go to a certain entity by which to try to get it formalized, get this put through, you're going to have those very well streamlined and it might still cost you to use them. It'll just be instead of in the same way, you don't go to a video store anymore. You don't borrow, like rent out VHSs for those who might not know. It's the thing that came before DVDs. Um, and so, and those came before Blu-ray. So if we're going back, we're talking like really old video, like movie devices. You used to go to like the family video or to the video store or something of that nature and rent that out. Now you go and then Netflix came around and then you'd have to rent, like pay a service on Netflix and you'd have them send you DVDs. Then it moved to, well, now you can just stream it. 
So it's just going to get, an, no pun intended, streamlined. It's going to go from being one to the other. It's going to be the same thing, like same method, just or same thing, same delivery to a certain extent, just a slightly different method. Well, and I think too that what we're going to see more and more, um, for example, this year, um, if I was an if I was an accountant, I would open up an NFT accounting service. Yeah, and in five years, there's going to be uh, NFT lawyers, NFT real estate agents, NFT, uh, you know, HR people, like any of this, anything where there's identity governance. Um, ownership, uh, like the execution of contracts, whether they're governed by uh, a fiat law or um, it's something that's decided upon and agreed on by a community, um, I think that's going to be more and more like a, a, an everyday profession, like just like you have a real estate lawyer or a criminal lawyer, or you're going to have an NFT lawyer who knows how the, how contracts work and knows about the technical side of it and can advise people on how to do things like sell their house or sell their car or sell a piece of art. And that's all going to be written through smart contracts and written to a blockchain, whether it's Cardano or Ethereum or some, probably there's going to be aspects of it that aren't, are written to, to a blockchain that hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. Um, but, but we're all going to know what, what those things to a degree are going to look like. Oh, exactly. And I already know, like personally, having dealt with lawyers, I know that there are lawyers that specialize in NFT functions. I know that they, that already exists. I know that there are lawyers that are specializing in ICOs. There's these, when there's a marketplace in the same way, as you and I both know for Cardano, Plutus is a new programming language. A lot of auditing services went and learned Plutus so that they can incorporate these services. So it's, I think it's only a matter of time. And just as you said, and you were kind of agreeing with me there, things are going to get just more streamlined. You're going to take these services because for example, if you can do the same amount of work with fewer people, people are going to do that. It's less steps to go through. It's more streamlined. It can be done at your convenience. If I want to buy a house, I can possibly do it without like, Let's say it's I'm talking with my wife or my girlfriend and I get home from work. Let's say I work the graveyard shift. I get off at, let's say, 3 a.m. Nothing's open. We can if what works best for us is going through these processes, then we'll be able to do that. It, mm -hmm. It'll be almost moving towards a 24 hour mentality because it's more so when you choose to do it in the same way. Used to, if you wanted to go buy something, buy clothes, buy anything, you'd have to wait till I know Walmart quite often is 24 seven, but you would have to go to, let's say Macy's if we want to go back in the day when they were open. Now you can go on Amazon at 2 AM. If you want, you can buy it. Mm -hmm. And the, and, and it's, I think you're right. I think it's going to be an extension of that. The internet has brought down a lot of those physical barriers to uh, engaging in, in trade or like I said, the barriers between producers and consumers, whether that's art, visual art, music, uh, books, magazines, whatever, all those things are going to be not just streamed 24 seven, but the access to ownership of those things is going to be available at any time that the, that the consumer wants to, you know, anytime you want to send your ADA, you can, you can do that and get, get your ownership of something in a few minutes. 
Oh, exactly. But I know this has been going on for a while, but this has been extraordinarily informative. I'm glad we were able to kind of talk about this topic in general. I'm sure we might have more talks about this later on, especially if people really want to hear more about this. But I appreciate you taking the time to chat today. But before you go, how can people get involved with what you're doing or how can people best support you? Uh, the primary thing that I, uh, and I was just talking to a couple of people, I really need to ask people to like, and subscribe more <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, if you could, uh, I have my YouTube channel pinned at the top of my Twitter profile. Um, I'm at that CNFT show on Twitter and, uh, my YouTube channel is the same. Um, I also, uh, am starting to do things like, um, uh, for example, our Twitter spaces, I'm actually hosting one tomorrow where I'm getting a lot of the content creators or anyone who has a YouTube show uh, or uh, a podcast or a, a blog or whatever. I'm just going to get everyone together. So if, for me, uh, if you want to support what I'm doing, uh, follow me on Twitter, like and subscribe to the show and then come to our Twitter spaces because you're going to hear about a lot of uh, cool projects and uh, meet lots of cool people. I say this, I say this every week when we do our Twitter space on Wednesday yeah. nights, but, but every time we do it, uh, I hear from two or three projects that absolutely blow me away talking about something I've never heard of before. Um, because really the best way to get information about a project is to hear the creator talk about it in like real language. Um, and, uh, so just follow, if you want to, if you like what I have to say and you like what I'm doing, then, uh, like, and subscribe and that'll help me do more and get more out and tell more people about cool stuff. Oh yeah. And of course we will have the links down in the description below to the Twitter, to the YouTube channel. I recommend checking it out. It's pretty interesting information. If you like some of our free form and interview content, you'll, and you really like CNFTs and NFTs, then you'll really want to check that content out. And of course I will be at that Twitter space. So I look forward to that. But again, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. And while you are on the topic of like, and subscribe, you guys should like, and subscribe our channel too. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Conrad. Good talking to you again today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure to check out our website at crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Convo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a Patreon, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and you're looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That is Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Lastly, I want to let our community know about an NFT game slash project that we are working on. The game is called Flooftopia, and more details can be found at flooftopia.org. There you can find access to our Discord server and to other socials, so make sure to check out our website to learn more. Again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.